you have. Hallelujah. And I want to preach to you today about using your authority in Jesus. And I'm going to go to the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 14, verses 15 and 16. So that's Exodus 14, 15, and 16. It's chapter 14, verse 15 and 16. This is the story of Moses, whom God has sent to deliver Israel. He's up against the Red Sea. And the armies and the chariots of Pharaoh are at the children of Israel's back. And needless to say, they're having a panic moment. Um, even Moses, who has seen some pretty intense miracles and has met with God at the burning bush, even Moses is just freaking out just a little bit. And he's, he's really worried because they've come to this moment. It looks like they're going to escape from Pharaoh. And here's the Red Sea, and there's the chariots. It looks like they're all about to be wiped out. Listen to what happens when Moses starts praying. Moses starts praying, and he's crying out to God. He's a little anxious. He's a little worked up and, and freaked out, and he's crying out to God, Save us, save us. All right? Listen to what God says back. Exodus 14, 15, and 16. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. <laughs> Can you imagine God saying to you, particularly at a moment of emergency, now is not the time to pray. Think about it. Let that sink in. The Almighty God, who we believe appreciates getting a little prayer aimed in His direction anytime He can get it, said to Moses, Now is not the time to pray. I just think that's stunning. Don't you? I, 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 I can't camp out on it and, and harp on it, but I just pray that, that the, the awesomeness of that statement uh, will grab hold of you. That God said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Well, does, doesn't it seem a little obvious why he's crying out to, to, to the Father? Yet, like Moses, we finding ourselves confronting threats, confronting, confronting obstacles, very often resort to petitioning God for help that he has already given us. God wasn't saying prayer's not good. He was saying now's not the time to pray. Why are you asking me for what I have already given you? Use what I've already given you. There's a time to pray and then there's a time to say. Can you speak? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. How many of you heard the term the rod of God? That was what Moses had his walking stick when he met with God at the burning bush and and Moses said, well, how will I know that you're with me? I'm going down to Egypt. I don't have anything. They've got an army. I've got nothing. And God said, well, what have you got in your hand? He said, that's my rod, man. It's, it's my walking stick. And God said, well, throw it on the ground in front of me. And he threw it on the ground in front of God. God invaded that thing. And it turned into a serpent. And you know the story. If you don't, you saw the movie. He, <laughs> he picks it up and it turns back into a stick. And, and it's the rod of God. And so he goes to the court of Pharaoh, and when Pharaoh's resisting him, he just throws down the rod of God. And 
Or, you know, when it comes time to showing Pharaoh that God is mightier than him, he stretches it out over the water. Water's turned to blood or brings pestilence. And it's the rod of God. So now here he is at the Red Sea, and he's crying out to God, the Red Sea and the armies. And God said, why are you praying? This is not the time to pray. Use what I've given you. And he said to him, the first thing he said was, command the children of Israel to go through the sea. And he says, and as for you, take that stick I gave you and use it. Stretch it over the water and tell those waters to make a path for my people. And you know the story from there. Moses did it and the Red Sea parted. And they went over on dry ground and the Egyptians went down into the dry uh, uh, bottom of the sea and the waters closed in on them. And the God's people got away. You know, why pray for an answer that God's already given you? Amen. Why not use what God has given you? You know, we, we spend too much time praying for answers that we've already received provision for. Can you imagine a football team behind in the fourth quarter of a championship game begging the coach to make them win? It's, it's not time to beg the coach. What that team has to do is bear down and do what they've been trained to do. Do what they've been given to do, and they'll prevail. They'll do fine. But in the fourth quarter, when you're down, and you've been trained, you've been given and equipped, and, and your coach is there, he's encouraging you, play the play. Play the play. Execute the play. Could you imagine, think of your favorite coach or your favorite team, your favorite quarterback, running to the coach and saying, look, you need to help us win here. See, we need to stop being recreational Christians. We need to be professional Christians. So a recreational person playing tag football, you know, you might do something like that. Professional football player would never think of doing that. They understand execute what you've been trained to do. And so God's people, we need to realize it's not just the pastor or the ministers, but we're all professional Christians. We're not recreational. We're not just playing this thing once in a while. For rec you know, when you get tired, you go home. But professional, you play whenever there's a game, you're on the field. You're suited up. You're in the action. Somebody say amen. amen. There's a time when you and I must realize what God has already given us to secure the victory with and use it. Amen. There's a time for praying and there's a time for saying. Let me say it again because you're going to hear me repeat this a time or two. There's a time for praying and there's a time for saying. One of my favorite verses, one that you're probably quite familiar with in Mark chapter 11 Jesus has walked by a fig tree that's barren and has no fruit and ought to have fruit on it. And he curses it. And the next morning they walk by and Peter notices that the tree within a span of a few short hours has dried up from the roots up and is withered. And here's the scene as it plays out. Listen to this. And Peter remembered how Jesus had cursed the fig tree when he sees it. And he said to Jesus, Rabbi, look! The fig tree that you cursed has withered. He's just amazed. Jesus answered. Now, Jesus uses this occasion 
to teach one of the most important lessons about the purpose of prayer. And I want you to get this. Jesus answered him, have faith in God. Truly, everyone say truly. Truly, Truly, Jesus said, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but he believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, everyone say therefore. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it, and it will be yours. And, everyone say and. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. You have to take that chunk of Scripture all in one because there's a lesson that Jesus gives beginning by saying, truly, he's saying this is not a metaphor, this is not an, a, uh, a, uh, this is not a parable, that's right, this is not just some um, sentiment or philosophy, some abstract ideal. I tell you truly, if you say to this mountain, and I emphasize the word this, and I'll get back to that in a moment, be taken up and be cast into the sea over there, not doubting in your heart, but believing. Notice what he says. He doesn't say believing in God. He said believing that what you say will come to pass. It will be done for you. Now before you go wild and say, you mean that Jesus said people should run around and whatever they believe in in themselves that they say will come, they can just do that. Because I was preaching one time to some guys on the street about 30 some odd years ago in an urban up in the northeast somewhere in city. And uh, it's a couple of, couple of druggies. I was talking to them. They got real excited when I quoted that verse. They said, wow. They said, man. They said, our friend just got put in jail last week. And can we go down to the, to the jail and command those doors to open? And they'll open and Jesus, and I had to kind of, you know, I had to kind of work with them a little bit about that. But I want you to not back away from the fact that Jesus used the word truly. Truly. This is not a metaphor. This is not an abstract ideal. I am saying this mountain will end up in that pond. If you believe that what you say will come to pass, you'll have it. It will be done for you. But then he goes on and connects what he just said with what he's about to say by saying, therefore. And whenever you hear therefore, you need to, you need to stop and say, what's it there for? Um, so he says, therefore, since, since you are going to have the authority to command this mountain to be put into the sea, therefore, I tell you, when you pray, now he's talking about praying. Before he was talking about saying, say to the mountain. He wasn't saying pray the mountain into the sea. He said, tell the mountain to go into the sea. Do you, you got that, right? You're a sharp crowd. I know that you probably got that. But now he says, therefore, I said to you, when you do pray, whenever you pray, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it and it will be yours. Now, I want you to get this. Before you say to the mountain, I command you to get into the sea over there, you're praying and you're asking God, reveal my authority to me. I bring this matter before you. Show me your plan. Show me your purpose. 
Why do I say that? Because in the verse before, dealing with saying, he used the word this mountain. Not any mountain, this mountain. There is a specificity about that mountain. Which mountain is he talking about? He's talking about the mountain that you were praying about. Therefore, when, whatever you are praying for when you pray. See, when you get up in the morning and you're praying, you don't know what the day's going to bring. And you're praying. And God begins to deal with you about a mountain. And God begins to drop down into your heart a vision of what He wants to do about that mountain of opposition. How He wants to deal with that situation. He says, when you pray, believe when you're praying that you receive. Believe that you receive it and it will, notice the term, will be yours. When will it be yours? When you go couple hours later, day later, whatever, and say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Are you following what I'm saying? So when you pray, believe that you receive it, and when the time comes, you'll say to the mountain, be removed, and it will obey you. Why? Because when you prayed, you believed that you received it. Do you understand? This is a lot different than people just running around saying, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a child of the king, so I can just command things to happen, whatever I see happen. There is a this mountain. See, God's got, a, God's got a will, and God knows everything. He knows all the problems that are out there, and He's got a purpose. And, you know, I believe that when we get into prayer and fellowship with God, certain things rise up on His agenda. I know this to be the case because Abraham, even under the Old Covenant, was able to bring issues that bothered him up before God, and he was able to dicker with God and barter back and forth with God over Sodom. And God said, all right, all right, I won't wipe them out if you can find 50. All right, well, how about 25? All right, how about 10? So you can, you can bring issues up before God when you pray and believe that you receive God's permission. God said, all right, go on. If, if there's 10, I'll spare the city. Believe that you receive it, you'll have it. Then you will have authority to speak that word when it comes time to speak it. Now the next part of the phrase, the final part of this three-part lesson on prayer, he says, and, so he's adding to the therefore. Truly I say, you'll speak to the mountain. Therefore, when you pray, believe you receive, and whenever you do stand praying, forgive. So that your Father has no reason to not grant you what you're asking. You see, God is prohibited or held back by His righteousness from granting you what you ask, not because you make mistakes or you've got a moral flaw in your life or some issue you're struggling with, but the thing that, that holds God back in His righteousness from being able to give to you what He has purposed in Christ to give you is refusal on your part to be done with bitterness and unforgiveness. Because Jesus did everything he did based on complete forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He said, think not that I'm coming to the world to judge the world, but that the world through me might be saved. So he does require that of us, that we don't hold things against people. It is critical that if you're going to pray and receive, and then if you're going to be able to speak and say and move mountains, you cannot have unforgiveness towards anybody. You can't hold a grudge towards anybody. You must forgive so that there's clear, clear communi communion between you and the Father. And there it is. 
there's this awesome lesson on prayer. And what essentially is the lesson? Let me just spell it out for you. Let me take everything I've said about Mark 11, 20 um, through 24 and summarize it and say to you, God's lesson is that the great purpose, oftentimes, one of the greatest purposes for prayer is to be able to act in God's authority and not just to pray. Many Christians think prayer is the end of everything. Once I've prayed, I put it in God's hands, I'll walk away, my job is done. And what Jesus is trying to teach here is that oftentimes that's the beginning point, not the ending point. Oftentimes the purpose of prayer is to set you up to say. You pray so that you can say. Not so that praying you just push everything off on God, then you don't have to do anything. Listen to me now. Are you listening? Really just open the ears of your heart and really think about this. The Bible is full of evidence that God prefers to use His commanding authority through the mouths of people to accomplish His works. God does not usually just work mystically or magically through the atmosphere just because some Christian prayed and asked for something to be done. Then, after prayer has been, has, has uh, uh, gone forth and a connection and a communion with the Father has taken place, God's answer, many times, both in the Old and New Testament, involved God finding somebody who was in that prayer that is willing to now go and be Gideon. Or be Moses with the rod of God. Someone who's willing to speak. Amen. Amen. But we oftentimes, we think prayer's it. I'll just pray about it. I'll just pray and ask the Lord and I'll throw it on the Lord. The Lord's able to do it. You see, faith is not about what God's able to do. Faith is about what you know He has done and what He wants you to do about what He has done. Are you listening to me? Otherwise, it's just beliefs. Oftentimes, our prayers have, have very little uh, more to do than just deal with our beliefs. Lord, I believe you're able. Thank you. I just bring this name up before you. There it is. But faith is about God getting you to pray so that you can act in authority over that situation. Too many Christians stop at praying. And it's good to pray. But I think today I hear people, they write books, there's seminars, there's stuff constantly, whole conferences, all about prayer, all about prayer. And you know, prayer's important, prayer's good. But I think, my goodness, and I don't mean to be negative, but, but just something to think about. We've got millions of Christians in this country. And every single one of them, regardless of their age or whatever the level of their moral life is, every one of them who are truly saved that have the blood of Jesus Christ over their life, whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they have the keys to the kingdom. They have a covenant with God. They are the ambassadors of Christ in the land. Jesus said you're the salt of the earth, but that it is possible to lose your saltiness. So what is saltiness? Is it making sure you're in church every Sunday? I mean, that, that's great to be faithful, to, to pray, to be in church, to read your Bible. But 
I, I hear these emphasis, teachings, and focus on prayer as though prayer is the height and the end of everything. If we could just get the church to pray. But I think to myself, God's concept of moving through his kingdom didn't, didn't end with getting people to pray. It started with getting people to pray. I think, why do we stop short? Why are we happy or satisfied that we can get Christians just to pray? And here's what I'd like you to think about. Again, like I said, not trying to be negative, but something to consider. We look at the, the culture in our nation today where we have millions of Christians, all with a covenant with God, and yet it's, the church is like a sieve. The world is passing right through us. Amen. Right through us. Why are we not having the effect of the salt? Why are we not seeing the multitudes? If we really are the ambassadors of Christ, why is it? And I really think it's because we have lost the truth that God has called us to go way beyond praying into saying. We don't see prayer as a preparation to use God's authority. We see prayer as a dumping ground to dump off problems and troubles on God expecting that God's going to do it. Now, you, that may seem sacrilegious for a preacher to say, because we should expect God to do it. But then how about studying your Bible and seeing, how does God do it? How do, I see very few examples in the Bible where people just got together, held hands, prayed a prayer, and then went and had lunch. I really do. I mean, how about Jehoshaphat? I mean, you just pick them at random in your mind. In the Bible, he's surrounded by a confederation of three armies that are about to wipe him out. And God comes through the prophet and says, don't worry about it. The battle is not yours, but it's the Lord. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat he doesn't kick back and say, oh, praise the Lord. Somebody get out the cold cuts. Get out the wings, get out the chips, we're just going to relax. God's, God has spoken to us by the prophet, he's going to take care of it. No, God said the battle's not yours, the battle's mine. But you get your men and you get your praisers and you get out there on that battlefield and I want you to march at the enemy and I want you to sing, put your guitar players and your, your singers and, and all those guys, put them on a flatbed truck and drive them at the devil. Drive them at the enemy and have them sing the whole time. Bless the Lord. His mercy endures forever and ever. Yeah, the battle's mine. Yeah, I'm going to take care of it. But you've got to go out onto that battlefield and declare some things. And I will move. Can you say amen? amen. Now you just go in your mind through the Bible all you want to. And I'm telling you, I don't see people praying and then just going and having lunch and forgetting about it. God is trying to teach us prayer's not where we end, it's where we start. You should be praying not so that Pastor Nick can go up to the hospital room and pray for somebody. You should be praying to see does God want me to go up to the hospital room and call somebody out of that hospital bed. You should be praying what does God want me to do. God has not given you prayer so you can just um, uh, you know, fork requests in his general direction and hope the wind of the Spirit will pick them up and, and, and carry them up to heaven where God will just sit there all day. Can you imagine? I'd be bored to death if I was God. Have to sit there and read. What's this one? We got, um, we got these prayer requests over here. 
And that, they've been in here a long time. But they're all folded up. I could just see God. I could just see God going. Right, let's see what we got here. Oh, man. All right. Susie Johnson. All right. Got a bellyache. All right. We can deal with that one. All right. Now, we got um, little Jimmy wants a red fire engine. All right. Here's a serious one. This one. So-and-so's, their eye fell out. We need to heal that eye. So-and-so's uncle's dying. And there's about 10 million of these a day. And God is just sitting there, and that's his job. He just reads those things all day long and says, yes, no, yes, no. <laughs> kind of like Caesar, the gladiators. What do we think prayer is all about? What do we think God is doing? Are you listening to me? Jesus said, you say to the mountain, go be, it's your mountain. What, it's nothing to me. God's not, that mountain's not bothering God. That mountain's bothering you. That not, mountain's not a problem for God. And if it's not a problem for you, it's not on His radar. Amen. Listen to me, church. If that mountain is not bothering you, if you can live with it, then it's not on God's radar. And if you're not prepared when you pray about it to hear what God says you ought to be saying to the mountain or doing, then it's just going to stay there. Because we have not learned the lesson. God calls you and I to be vessels through which His authority flows. Why do you cry out to me, stretch out your hand, part the waters, and command the people to walk across? I just think that's awesome. So, amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Isn't it great? He's called you to go out and, and, and part the sea. So too many Christians, like I said, they stop at praying. But like I said, usually the answer doesn't, the answer doesn't end with praying. It, it begins with praying and it ends with saying. So, not to be clever, but let me just um, put it like this. Pray that you may say. Preachers love rhetoric. We love to just roll rhetoric and put little phrases, cute phrases together. I like this one. Pray that you may say. Why am I praying? So that I got to say so. I pray so to get a say so. God's given me a say so. It says in Hebrews... Hallelujah. He has said, I will never leave or forsake you, that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, who shall I be afraid of? Amen. He has said, I will never leave or forsake you. Oh, praise God. I just prayed over that verse. Lord, you said you would never leave or forsake me. Yeah, but if you don't go and use the say-so that you just acknowledged in your pray-so, then... God will be with you, but your, your situation is not going to change. So God has given you a say-so. Pray that you may say. In Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4, Isaiah says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples so that I may know, I may know how to sustain the weary one. Everyone say, sustain the weary one. So that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. So that I may know how to sustain the weary one. Isn't it God's job to sustain the weary one? So I'll just throw that out to get 
prime the pump a little bit, get your mind working. Isn't it God's job? He said, I'll be with the contrite. I'll lift up the weary one. Yet here in Isaiah, God's given me the tongue of disciples so that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. You see, why am I praying in the morning? Why is God wakening my ear so that I hear? So that later on in that day when I run into the weary one, God can sustain him by the word that I speak. I don't think, I don't know, a couple of you heard me, praise the Lord. God's purpose is for the weary one to be sustained by a word from his heart through your lips. You say the word, God does the sustaining. So that the weary one can be sustained by a word, not that floated down from a cloud from on high because you prayed, but because when you prayed, God put something on your heart. You didn't even know you were going to run into that weary one later in the day. But you prayed, God stirred in your heart, and it was there, a confidence and authority, a sense of His presence, so that when you were going up to the temple to pray and you saw that weary, lame man at the temple, you it just jumped out of your mouth. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus. Wait a minute, what am I saying? I can't do any. I can't heal you. Wait a minute. Let me get down on my knees here. Father, help this man that is lame. I pray, O oh Lord, you healed many lame people in your time. And now it's my time. But I can't do it, so I pray that you will do it, Lord. I ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Then you open one eye and kind of look. And... Oop, he's still there. And then you just go, well, praise the Lord. You know, we're just going to keep believing God. That's all right. I'm not, you know, I'm making fun of all of us. So I'm not, you understand? I hope nobody's feelings are getting hurt. But that is not what happened. He didn't drop down on one knee, bust out the four spiritual laws and say, let me lead you in the plan of salvation. And if your heart's right, maybe we'll ask God. He'll have favor on you and heal you. He has done it before. He is able. Let us pray. No, that is not what happened. Before he could even think about it, silver and gold of my none, I say to you, rise. In fact, before he even said that, he said, look at me. Peter walked up to the man. He said, look at me. Not close your eyes, look to Jesus. Look at me. I am talking to you. I tell you, what I have, I give to you. Such as I have, give I unto you. Do you think Peter had something you don't have? Seriously, do you believe he had something you don't have? I know you're saying no because you figure I wouldn't be asking that question if the answer was yes. But deep down inside, I think some of you do believe he had something you don't have. You probably say he was an apostle. He had a special calling. He had, yeah, he... He, he went to the faith store when they were selling the good stuff. I got the leftovers. I had to work all day. I got there at the end of the day. The faith was all used up. I, I got some of this used faith. You think he has something that you don't have. But the truth of the matter is that the faith of God is something the Holy Spirit has put in all of us. The Word of God doesn't change for you. 
relative to somebody else. Jesus isn't the Jesus that saves somebody else, but is a different, different side of Jesus. God doesn't carve off bits of Jesus and you didn't get the healing part. Listen, listen to me. Silver and gold am I none such as I have. How did he know he had something? Because when he prayed, he believed he received. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us what his prayer was like that morning. But when he was praying that morning, he received something. And when he received it, he believed he received it. And so when it came time to say, <laughs> do you get it? Do you get it? What, what, I've heard theologians for over 40 years dissecting and analyzing this section of Scripture. When Peter goes up to the, in, in Acts 3, goes up to the temple at the gate, beautiful, and commentary, and com they get it wrong, they get it wrong. Somewhere he was doing exactly what it says in Mark 11, 20 through 24. He be, when he prayed, he got bitterness, anger, upsetness, whatever you want to call it, out of his heart. His mind was clear, his heart was clear, and he prayed. And, you know, he was probably praying for a move of God. We don't know what it is, but whatever it was, he believed he received it. And that moment, an hour or so later, when he was done praying, he walks up, sees that guy, and it just drops out of his mouth. Look at me. Silver and gold have I none. Don't mean to disappoint you. But such as I have give I you in the name of Jesus. And he grabs him by the hand, pulls him up. Rise up and walk. See, you and I can do that. Because the same Jesus, the same promises, the same Holy Spirit that are in Peter, is in Peter, is in you and I. And God worked that way because that's how God wants to work. Use your authority. Why cry out to me? Am I saying this morning we shouldn't be crying out to God? No. I am saying there's a point at which you've prayed enough. Stop and, and receive what he wants you to do and go do it. To pray more, you're just going downhill. If you've climbed the mountain, you get to the top. Why do you keep going? Now you're going down the other side. You've got it. Stop. Are you listening to me? You know, I'm not a very good salesperson. I talk too much. And that's why God said, Thou shalt not be a salesman, thou shalt be a preacher. Because I get right to the top and then I keep talking, go right down the other side. Stop praying. Once you receive, stop. Goody. Hallelujah. I got it. And you go. Let's get back to Moses. We'll bring this to a close. Moses does not ask God to stretch God's rod out over the sea. Instead, God puts his hand over Moses' mouth and says, stop praying. Stop, stop, stop praying. Calm down, stop. You've got a rod I gave you. You stretch it over the sea. I, do what I tell you to do right now. Stretch it out. Command the sea to part. Then tell the children of Israel to walk across on dry ground. Moses does it, and we know God works. Did God use his rod? God used Moses' rod. See, God got into Moses' rod. He used Moses' rod. You have got to start believing He is with you. You need to look at the treasure in the earthen vessel, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And just stop looking up into the celestial majesty and start realizing the God that God that has filled the heavens lives in you broken, um, limited in your, in your nature as you may be, 
a dead stick, a stick, not even a live branch, a stick, God goes into that stick. So you need to start having faith in what God has given you and what he has put in your hand and see that God is moving through you. When you pray that you receive, do you see God moving through you or do you see God moving around you? Do you see God bypassing you and moving through? Is your vision of God moving and doing miracles, does it involve somebody else being used or does it involve you being used of God? If it doesn't involve you being used, you need to change that vision. Because when you're praying, you are not believing that you receive. Now, I'm going to say this to you. I don't know how many preachers you're going to hear say this. But when guys get up and preach about miracle, they all want you to see God using them. But I am telling you, because I am on the hook to God to equip the saints. That's my job. Not to encourage you to believe God for what God can do through me. My job is to equip you for what God can do through you. When you pray, you need to start believing that God, because He's the same God without partiality, all the gifts of the Spirit are yours. And you say amen. If, that's not, if that is true, then it's true for you or it's not true for anybody. So, glory to God. Uh, it was not Peter asking God to heal the lame man. It was Peter telling the lame man to get up and walk. In Acts chapter 14, you've heard me often tell the story of Paul seeing as he's preaching in the town of Lystra, the man who is lame and has never walked, he sees faith arise in the man's eyes. And when he sees it, he doesn't say, oh God, I see faith in this man's eyes. Please touch him. Instead, he says, get up on your feet and walk. Like that. Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. When he does address the Father, he says, Father, I don't, I'm going to paraphrase, I don't need to ask you for this. I know that you always hear me. So I'm only saying this so that those that are standing around will know that you are the living God when I do this. Lazarus, get out here. Lazarus, get out here. What did he do? Did he say, Father, please bring Lazarus out of the tomb? No, he said, roll the stone away. Lazarus, get out here. You need to understand, Jesus wasn't trying to show off. He was trying to show you. He's not trying to show off. He's trying to show you. He's trying to show you what you are going to do. He's doing that as a model for you. Not just so that you can go, wow, that was Jesus. Of course it was Jesus. Jesus never did anything just so that people could go, wow, that was Jesus. He said, the works that I do, you shall do in greater because I go to the Father. Because when I go to the Father, then I'm going to come as the Holy Spirit and I'm going to live in you. And I want you to do what you have seen me do. Why? Because God's will is to execute His authority through us, not just to turn us into a bunch of prayer mules that get loaded up with a bunch of prayer requests and carry them to God. The prayer mule train. Just let that work on your mind. You are called to 
look, I, I, well, I'm going to end this because this I'll pick this up next week. I'll talk next week. I'll talk about what is the rod that God's put in your hand. What are the things God's given us? We, Moses had the walking stick. God's given us something a lot better than what Moses had. Hallelujah. And we'll talk about them. But, but let me end with this one thought. Um, Jesus said, after he rose from the dead, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, you go. He didn't say all power is given me in heaven and earth. Therefore, you pray. He said, all power is given to me. Did he expect us to go without praying? No. He said, truly I say to you, say, therefore pray. So because you have to say to the mountain, you have to speak to the mountain, therefore you must pray and believe you receive before you speak to the mountain. So he says, all power is given to me, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, I say to you, go. God is calling us to go. He is calling us to have a vision of us being the Gideon to our generation. Us being the Peter at the gate beautiful that we encounter. Somebody say praise the Lord. I'd like you to close your Bible and stand with me. Here's the challenge this morning. Because if you don't challenge people, you're never going to get any results. People will just listen to a message and they'll go, wow, that was a good message. So this message has got a challenge to it. And I want you to buy in. I want you to buy into this. And here's the buy-in. The buy-in is not that you believe that what you've heard this morning is good Bible teaching or preaching or that it's true. The buy-in is that you intend to begin to pray and see yourself as being the Moses. You are the Peter. You are the Apostle Paul. He is saying to you, all authority is given to me, therefore go. You are the mountain caster outer. You are the one who's going to speak to the lame to get up and walk. The, the, the challenge to you is will you begin this week to make it a focus of your prayer to heal, to amend your vision, to change the way you think and begin to get your mind around God has called me. He wants me to use his authority and to speak. And Lord, help me with that. Because I know that it's pretty easy for me to say it. And it's really easy once it starts happening. But I understand it's hard for people sometimes. We have images of ourselves in our mind that God's got to help us uh, overcome. We have to realize that this, by the way, this is why I've been preaching on grace. This is why I've been preaching on righteousness. So that you can dispose of those hindrances and those reasons why you would discount yourself. So you can realize God's counted you through the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. So your challenge is that you're going to begin to see yourself as the one who says to the mountain. When you pray for people, don't stop at lifting the prayer up. Wait a little moment longer and say, is there a say-so you want to give me? Now, God may not say leave your house or leave your prayer closet, go down to the hospital, go here, but you need to be open if the Lord tells you to do it. Don't say, oh, well, the pastor hasn't called me to go do that. 
if Pastor Jesus calls you to go do it, you don't need Pastor Nick to, to, to give you the go-ahead. Jesus doesn't check in with me and get clearance from me about what he wants to do. I fall and prostrate before him. He does lots of things he doesn't consult with me about. So let me not be a reason or a hindrance. Will you let the Lord speak to you about maybe you going and being the person that witnesses to that individual or that prays for that individual or speaks that word? So when you pray, don't end your prayer with, oh, I put it in the Lord's hands. But Lord, put that say-so in me. And then be willing, willing to do what God tells you to do. Don't be afraid of making mistakes. How can you make a mistake in faith? Don't be afraid. The believer may fall seven times, but he gets up again. Because the Lord doesn't get knocked off the throne just because you or I make a mistake. He doesn't slip and fall off the throne. He's always seated there in those heavenly places. Hallelujah. So the challenge for you is to see yourself as God wanting to use you. And as I said, the Lord may say to you right then and there, stand up in your living room. It says when you stand praying, right? And He may say to you, I want you to point westward out your window. Point in the direction of that situation, of that mountain. And I want you to lift your voice and I want you to tell that mountain to move. Me? But, well, that, who's going to think you're crazy? You're alone in the house. You're going to embarrass yourself in front of the television set? Well, so what? Big deal. Listen, do what God tells you to do. You're operating in the spirit realm. You are operating in the heavenlies. When God shows you to speak a word or to command the mountain to move, tell him, well, how do you want me to do this? He'll show you. He'll say, stand up and say this. Get your voice. Go, what if the neighbors hear me? Goody. Maybe the neighbors will get saved. Hallelujah. You need, to you, need to worry you need to worry about the devil hearing you. That's the one needs to hear you. When you command that mountain to move, you need to make sure that mountain hears you. Are you listening to me? You need to speak like that mountain's listening. You need to talk to the mountain. Say to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Are you listening? Speak to it. So if the Lord speaks to you, you need to start do this in your prayer time. Speak to that situation. Decree, declare. For the Bible says you shall decree a thing and I will bring it to pass. The Bible also says, open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. Hallelujah. Lord, open Pastor Nick's mouth. Pastor Nick's mouth's open way too much. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I pray that when they stand praying, that they will see the need to release all unforgiveness for the purpose of being a vessel of authority. And that, Lord, as we pray and bring the petitions before you, that you will be dropping down into our spirit the vision of the say-so. That you will put the say-so into our spirit. 
I believe that people in this church are going to begin to pray and they're going to think, what is this, this phrase? What is this vision that I'm getting? I, I don't, I'm, I, am I being prepared for something that I don't even know about? You better believe it. God is prophetic. Lord, give them that prophetic word. Prepare them. Lord, you said of Isaiah, I get up in the morning and I tune in my ear and the Lord gives me the ear of the disciples so that when I come across the weary one, I'll have a word to sustain them with. Father, put that sustaining word inside the men and women that are praying right now in this sanctuary. Let that word of sustaining power, grace and mercy, come down into their heart and make them aware of why it's there. That vision's there so that you can decree it. That word is there so that you can speak it. That prompting of the Spirit is there for you to act upon. Lord, drop it into their hearts. In the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise.